Chapter Five of Allen and the Holy Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Allen and the Holy Flower by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Five. Hassan. I suppose it must have been two hours after dawn on the following morning that I was awakened by knocks upon the door and the voice of Jack saying that Sam the cook wanted to speak to me. Wondering what he could be doing there, as I understood he was sleeping on the ship, I called out that he was to come in. Now this Sam, I should say, hailed from the Cape and was a person of mixed blood. The original stock, I imagine, was Malay, which had been crossed with Indian coolie. Also, somewhere or other, there was a dash of white, and possibly, but of this I am not sure, a little hottentot. The result was a person of few vices and many virtues. Sammy, I may say at once, was perhaps the biggest coward I ever met. He could not help it, it was congenital, though curiously enough this cowardice of his never prevented him from rushing into fresh danger. Thus he knew that the expedition on which I was engaged would be most hazardous. Remembering his weakness, I explained this to him very clearly. Yet that knowledge did not deter him from imploring that he must be allowed to accompany me. Perhaps this was because there was some mutual attachment between us, as in the case of Hans. Once, a good many years before, I had rescued Sammy from a somewhat serious scrape by declining to give evidence against him. I need not enter into the details, but a certain sum of money over which he had control had disappeared. I will merely say, therefore, that at the time he was engaged to a coloured lady of very expensive tastes, whom in the end he never married. After this, as it chanced, he nursed me through an illness, hence the attachment of which I have spoken. Sammy was the son of a native Christian preacher, and brought up upon what he called the Word. He had received an excellent education for a person of his class, and in addition to many native dialects with which a varied career had made him acquainted, spoke English perfectly, though in the most bombastic style. Never would he use a short word if a long one came to his hand, or rather to his tongue. For several years of his life he was, I believe, a teacher in a school at Cape Town, where coloured persons receiving their education, his department, as he called it, being English language and literature. Wearying of, or being dismissed from his employment for some reason that he never specified, he had drifted up the coast to Zanzibar, where he turned his linguistic abilities to the study of Arabic, and became the manager, or head cook, of an hotel. After a few years he lost this billet, I know not how or why, and appeared at Durban in what he called a reversed position. Here it was that we met again, just before my expedition to Pongoland. In manners he was most polite, in disposition most religious. I believe he was a Baptist by faith, and in appearance a small, brown dandy of a man of uncertain age. He wore his hair parted in the middle, and, whatever the circumstances, was always tidy in his garments. I took him on because he was in great distress, an excellent cook, the best of nurses, and above all for the reason that, as I have said, we were in a way attached to each other. Also he always amused me intensely, which goes for something on a long journey of the sort that I contemplated. Such, in brief, was Sammy. As he entered the room I saw that his clothes were very wet, and asked him at once if it were raining, or whether he had got drunk and been sleeping in the damp grass. No, Mr. Quartermain he answered. The morning is extremely fine, and like the poor Hottentot Hans, I have abjured the use of intoxicants. Though we differ on much else, in this matter we agree. Then what the deuce is up, I interrupted, to cut short his flow of fine language. Sir, there is trouble on the ship. 
remembering mavovo i started at these words where i passed the night in the company of mr somers at his special request it was the other way about really this morning before dawn when he thought that everybody was asleep the portuguese captain and some of his arabs began to weigh the anchor quite quietly also to hoist the sails but mr somers and i being very much awake came out of the cabin and he sat upon the captain with a revolver in his hand saying well sir i will not repeat what he said no don't what happened then then sir there followed much noise and confusion the portuguese and the arabs threatened mr somers but he sir continued to sit upon the capstan with a stern cottage of a rock in a rushing stream and remarked that he would see them all somewhere before they touched it after this sir i do not know what occurred since while i watched from the bulwarks someone knocked me head over heels into the sea and being fortunately a good swimmer i gained the shore and hurried here to advise you and did you advise anyone else you idiot i asked yes sir as i sped along i communicated to an officer of the port that there was a devil of a mess upon the maria which he would do well to investigate by this time i was in my shirt and trousers and shouting to mavovo and the others soon they arrived for as the costume of mavovo and his company consisted only of a mooka and a blanket it did not take them long to dress mavovo i began there is trouble on the ship oh baba he interrupted with something resembling a grin it is very strange but last night i dreamt that i told you curse your dreams i said gather the men and go down no that won't work there would be murder done either it's all over now or it is all right get the hunters ready i come with them the luggage can be fetched afterwards within less than an hour we were at that wharf off which the maria lay in what one day will be the splendid port of durban though in those times its shipping arrangements were extremely primitive a strange-looking band we must have been i who was completely dressed i trust tidy marched ahead next came hans in the filthy wide-awake hat which he usually wore and greasy corduroys and after him the oleaginous sammy arrayed in european reach-me-downs a billycock and a bright blue tie striped with red garments that would have looked very smart had it not been for his recent immersion after him followed the fierce-looking mavovo and his squad of hunters all of whom wore the ring, or isikoko, as the Zulus call it, that is, a circle of polished black wax sewn into their short hair. They were a grim set of fellows, but, as according to a recent law it was not allowable for them to appear armed in the town, their guns had already been shipped, while their broad stabbing spears were rolled up in their sleeping mats, the blades wrapped round with dried grass. Each of them, however, bore in his hand a large knob carry of red wood, and they marched four by four in martial fashion it is true that when we embarked on the big boat to go to the ship much of their warlike ardour evaporated since these men who feared nothing on land were terribly afraid of that unfamiliar element the water we reached the maria an unimposing kind of tub and climbed aboard on looking aft the first thing i saw was stephen seated on the capstan with a pistol in his hand as sammy had said nearby leaning on the bullock was the villainous-looking portuguese delgado apparently in the worst of tempers and surrounded by a number of equally villainous-looking arab sailors clad in dirty white in front was the captain of the port a well-known and esteemed gentleman of the name of cato like myself a small man who had gone through many adventures accompanied by some attendants he was seated on the after skylight smoking and his eyes fixed upon stephen and the portuguese glad to see you quatermain he said there's some brow on here 
but i've only just arrived and don't understand portuguese and the gentleman on the capstan won't leave it to explain what's up stephen i asked after shaking mr cato by the hand what's up replied summers this man and he pointed to delgado wanted to sneak out to sea with all our goods that's all to say nothing of me and sammy whom no doubt he'd have chucked overboard as soon as he was out of sight of land however sammy who knows portuguese overheard his little plans and as you see i objected well delgado was asked for his version of the affair and as i expected explained that he only intended to get a little nearer to the bar and there wait till we arrive of course he lied and knew that we were aware of the fact and that his intention had been to slip out to sea with all our valuable property which he would sell after having murdered or marooned stephen and the poor cook but as nothing could be proved and we were now in strong enough force to look after ourselves and our belongings i did not see the use of pursuing the argument so i accepted the explanation with a smile and asked everybody to join in a morning nip afterwards stephen told me that while i was engaged with mavovo on the previous night a message had reached him from sammy who was on board the ship in charge of our belongings saying that he would be glad of some company knowing the cook's nervous nature fortunately enough he made up his mind at once to go and sleep upon the maria in the morning trouble arose as sammy had told me what he did not tell me was that he was not knocked overboard as he said but took to the water of his own accord when complications with delgado appeared imminent i understand the position i said and all's well that ends well but it's lucky you thought of coming on board to sleep after this everything went right i sent some of the men back in charge of stephen for our remaining effects which they brought safely aboard and in the evening we sailed our voyage up to kilwell was beautiful a gentle breeze driving us forward over a sea so calm that not even hans who i think was one of the worst sailors in the world or the zulu hunters were really sick though as sammy put it they declined their food i think i was on the fifth night of our voyage or it may have been the seventh when we anchored one afternoon off the island of kilwa not very far from the old portuguese fort delgado with whom we had little to do during the passage hoisted some queer sort of signal in response a boat came off containing what he called the port officials a band of cut-throat desperate-looking black fellows in charge of a pock-marked elderly half-breed who was introduced to us as the bey hassan ben mohammed then mr hassan ben mohammed entirely disapproved of our presence on the ship and especially of our proposed landing at kilwa was evident to me from the moment that i set eyes upon his ill-favoured countenance after a hurried conference with delgado he came forward and addressed me in arabic of which i could not understand a word luckily however sam the cook who as i think i said was a great linguist had a fair acquaintance with this tongue acquired it appears while at the zanzibar hotel so not trusting delgado i called on him to interpret what is he saying sammy i asked he began to talk to hassan and replied presently sir he makes you many compliments he says that he has heard what a great man you are from his friend delgado also that you and mr summers are english a nation which he adores does he i exclaimed i should never have thought it from his looks thank him for his kind remarks and tell him that we are going to land here and march up country to shoot sammy obeyed and the conversation went on somewhat as follows with all humility i i e hassan request you not to land this country is not a fit place for such noble gentlemen there is nothing to eat and no head of game has been seen for years the people in the interior are savages of the worst sort whom hunger has driven to take to cannibalism i would not have your blood upon my head 
i beg of you therefore to go on in this ship to delagoa bay while you will find a good hotel or to another place you may select a q may i ask you noble sir what is your position at kilwa that you consider yourself responsible for our safety h honoured english lord i am a trader here of portuguese nationality but born of an arab mother of high birth and brought up among that people i have gardens on the mainland tended by my native servants who are as children to me where i grow palms and cassava and ground nuts and plantains and many other kinds of produce all the tribes in this district look upon me as their chief and venerated father a q then noble hassan you will be able to pass us through them seeing that we are peaceful hunters who wish to harm no one a long consultation between hassan and delgado during which i ordered mavovo to bring his zulus on deck with their guns h honoured english lord i cannot allow you to land a q noble son of the prophet i intend to land with my friend my followers my donkeys and my goods early to-morrow morning if i can do so with your leave i shall be glad if not and i glanced at the fierce group of hunters behind me h honoured english lord i shall be grieved to use force but let me tell you that in my peaceful village ashore i have at least a hundred men armed with rifles whereas here i see under twenty a q after reflection and a few words with stephen summers can you tell me noble sir if from your peaceful village you have yet sighted the english man-of-war crocodile i mean the steamer that is engaged in watching for the dows of wicked slavers a letter from her captain informed me that he would be in these waters by yesterday perhaps however he has been delayed for a day or two if i had exploded a bomb at the feet of the excellent hassan its effect could scarcely have been more remarkable than that of this question he turned not pale but a horrible yellow and exclaimed english man of war crocodile i thought she had gone to aden to refit and would not be back at zanzibar for four months a q you have been misinformed noble hassan she will not refit till october shall i read you the letter and i produced a piece of paper from my pocket it may be interesting since my friend the captain whom you remember is named flowers mentions you in it he says hassan waved his hand it is enough i see honoured lord that you are a man of metal not easily to be turned from your purpose in the name of god the compassionate land and go wheresoever you like a q i think that i had almost rather wait until the crocodile comes in h land land captain delgado get up the cargo and man your boat mine too is in the service of these lords you captain will like to get away by this night's tide there is still light lord quatermain and such hospitality as i can offer is at your service a q ah i knew bey hassan that you were only joking with me when you said that you wished us to go elsewhere an excellent jest truly from one whose hospitality is so famous well to fall in with your wishes we will come ashore this evening and if the captain delgado chances to sight the queen's ship crocodile before he sails perhaps he will be so good as to signal us with a rocket certainly certainly interrupted delgado who upon this time had pretended that he understood no english the tongue in which i was speaking to the interpreter sammy 
then he turned and gave orders to his arab crew to bring up our belongings from the hold and to lower the maria's boat never did i see goods transferred in quicker time within half an hour every one of our packages was off that ship for stephen somers kept account of them our personal baggage went into the maria's boat and the goods together with the four donkeys which were lowered on to the top of them were rumbled pell-mell into the barge-like punt belonging to hassan here also i was accommodated with about half of our people the rest taking their seats in the smaller boat under the charge of stephen at length all was ready and we cast off farewell captain i cried to delgado if you should sight the crocodile at this point delgado broke into such a torrent of bad language in portuguese arabic and english that i fear the rest of my remarks never reached him as we rode shorewards i observed that hans who was seated near to me under the stomach of a jackass was engaged in sniffing at the sides and bottom of the barge as a dog might do and asked him what he was about a very odd smell in this boat he whispered back in dutch it stings of gaffir man just like the hold of the maria i think this boat is used to carry slaves be quiet i whispered back and stop nosing at those planks but to myself i thought hans is right we are in a nest of slave traders and this hassan is their leader we rode past the island on which i observed the ruins of an old portuguese fort and some long grass-roofed huts where i reflected the slaves were probably kept until they could be shipped away observing my glance fixed upon these hassan hastened to explain through sammy that they were storehouses in which he dried fish and hides and kept goods how interesting i answered further south we dry hides in the sun crossing a narrow channel we arrived at a rough jetty where we disembarked whence we were led by hassan not to the village which i now saw upon our left but to a pleasant-looking though dilapidated house that stood a hundred yards from the shore something about the appearance of this house impressed me with the idea that it was never built by slavers the whole look of the place with its veranda and garden suggested taste and civilization evidently educated people had designed it and resided here i glanced about me and saw amidst a grove of neglected orange trees that were surrounded with palms of some age the ruins of a church about this there was no doubt for there surmounted by a stone cross was a little penthouse in which still hung the bell that once summoned the worshippers to prayer tell the english lord said hassan to sammy that these buildings were a mission station of the christians who abandoned them more than twenty years ago when i came here i found them empty indeed i answered and what were the names of those who dwelt in them i never heard said hassan they had been gone a long while when i came then we went up to the house and for the next hour and more were engaged with our baggage which was piled in a heap in what had been the garden and in unpacking and pitching two tents for the hunters which i caused to be placed immediately in front of the rooms that were assigned to us these rooms were remarkable in their way mine had evidently been a sitting-chamber as i judged from some broken articles of furniture that appeared to be of american make that which stephen occupied had once served as a sleeping-place for the bedstead of iron still remained there also there were a hanging bookcase now fallen and some tattered remnants of books one of these that oddly enough was well preserved perhaps because the white ants or other creatures did not like the taste of its morocco binding was a keeble's christian year on the title-page of which was written to my dearest elizabeth on her birthday from her husband i took the liberty to put it in my pocket 
on the wall moreover still hung a small watercolour picture of a very pretty young woman with fair hair and blue eyes in the corner of which picture was written in the same handwriting as that in the book elizabeth aged twenty this also i annexed thinking that it might come in useful as a piece of evidence looks as if the owners of this place left it in a hurry quatermain said stephen that's it my boy or perhaps they didn't leave perhaps they stopped here murdered i nodded and said i dare say friend hassan could tell us something about the matter meanwhile as supper isn't ready yet let us have a look at that church while it is light we walked through the palm and orange grove to where the building stood finely placed upon a mound it was well constructed of a kind of coral rock and a glance showed us that it had been gutted by fire the discoloured walls told their own tale the interior was now full of shrubs and creepers and an ugly yellowish snake glided from what had been the stone altar without the graveyard was enclosed by a broken wall only we could see no trace of graves near the gateway however was a rough mound if we could dig into that i said i expect we should find the bones of the people who inhabited this place does that suggest anything to you stephen nothing except that they were probably killed you should learn to draw inferences it is a useful art especially in africa it suggests to me that if you are right the deed was not done by natives who would never take the trouble to bury the dead arabs on the contrary might do so especially if they were any bastard portuguese among them who called themselves christians but whatever happened must have been a long while ago and i pointed to a self-sown hardwood tree growing from the mound which could scarcely have been less than twenty years old we returned to the house to find that our meal was ready hassan had asked us to dine with him but for obvious reasons i preferred that sammy should cook our food and that he should dine with us he appeared full of compliments though i could see hate and suspicion in his eye and we fell to on the kid that we had bought from him for i did not wish to accept any gifts from this fellow our drink was square-faced gin mixed with water that i sent hans to fetch with his own hands from the stream that ran by the house lest otherwise it should be drugged at first hassan like a good mohammedan refused to touch any spirits but as the meal went on he politely relented upon this point and i poured him out a liberal tot the appetite comes in eating as the frenchman said and the same thing applies to drinking so at least it was in hassan's case who probably thought that the quantity swallowed made no difference to his sin after the third dose of square face he grew quite amiable and talkative thinking the opportunity a good one i sent for sammy and through him told our host that we were anxious to hire twenty porters to carry our packages he declared there was not such a thing as a porter within a hundred miles whereon i gave him some more gin the end of it was that we struck a bargain i forget for how much he promising to find us twenty good men who were to stay with us for as long as we wanted them then i asked him about the destruction of the mission station but though he was half drunk on this point he remained very close all he would say was that he had heard that twenty years ago the people called the mazitu who were very fierce had raided right down to the coast and killed those who dwelt there except a white man and his wife who had fled inland and never been seen again how many of them were buried in that mound by the church i asked quickly who told you they were buried there he replied with a start but seeing his mistake went on i do not know what you mean i never heard of anyone being buried 
sleep well honoured lords i must go and see to the loading of my goods upon the maria then rising he salaamed and walked or rather rolled away so the maria hasn't sailed after all i said and whistled in a certain fashion instantly hans crept into the room out of the darkness for this was my signal to him hans i said i hear sounds upon that island slip down to the shore and spy out what is happening no one will see you if you are careful no boss he answered with a grin i do not think that anyone will see hans if he is careful especially at night and he slid away as quietly as he had come now i went out and spoke to mavovo telling him to keep a good watch and to be sure that every man had his gun ready as i thought that these people were slave traders and might attack us in the night in that event i said we were to fall back upon the step but not to fire until i gave the word oh, good my father he answered this is a lucky journey i never thought that there would be hope of war so soon my snake forgot to mention it the other night sleep safe macumazahan nothing that woke shall reach you while we live don't be so sure i answered and we lay down in the bedroom with our clothes on and our rifles by our side the next thing i remember was someone shaking me by the shoulder i thought it was stephen who had agreed to keep awake for the first part of the night and to call me at one in the morning indeed he was awake for i could see the glow from the pipe he smoked boss whispered the voice of hans i have found out everything they are loading the maria with sleeves taking them in big boats from the island so i answered but how did you get here are the hunters asleep without he chuckled no they are not asleep they look with all their eyes and listen with all their ears yet old hans passed through them even the bath summers did not hear him that i didn't said stephen thought a rat was moving no more i stepped through the place where the door had been on the step by the light of the fire which the hunters had lit without i could see mavovo sitting wide awake his gun upon his knees and beyond him two sentries i called him and pointed to hans see i said what good watchman you are when one can step over your heads and enter my room without your knowing it mavovo looked at the hottentot and felt his clothes and boots to see whether they were wet with the night dew oh he exclaimed in a surly voice i see that nothing which walks could reach you macumazahan but this yellow snake has crawled between us on his belly look at the new mud that stains his waistcoat yet snakes can bite and kill answered hans with a snigger oh you zulus think that you are very brave and shout and flourish spears and battle-axes one poor hottentot dog is worth a whole impi of you after all no don't try to strike me mavovo the warrior since we both serve the same master in our separate ways when it comes to fighting i will leave the matter to you and when it is a case of watching or spying do you leave it to hans look here mavovo and he opened his hand in which was a horn snuff-box such as zulus sometimes carry in their ears to whom does this belong it is mine said mavovo and you have stolen it yes jeered hans it is yours also i stole it from your ears i passed you in the dark don't you remember that you thought that a gnat had tickled you and hit up at your face it is true growled mavovo and you snake of a hottentot are great in your own low way yet next time anything tickles me i shall strike not with my hand but with a spear then i turned them both out remarking to stephen that this was a good example of the eternal fight between courage and cunning 
After this, as I was sure that Hassan and his friends were too busy to interfere with us that night, we went to bed and slept the sleep of the just. When I got up the next morning, I found that Stephen Summers had already risen and gone out, nor did he appear until I was half through my breakfast. "'Where on earth have you been?' I asked, noting that his clothes were torn and covered with wet moss. "'Up the tallest of those palm-trees, Quatermain. Saw an Arab climbing one of them with a rope, and got another Arab to teach me the trick. It isn't really difficult, though it looks alarming.' "'What in the name of goodness?' I began. "'Oh!' he interrupted my ruling passion. Looking through the glasses, I thought I caught sight of an orchid growing near the crown, so went up. It wasn't an orchid after all, only a mass of yellow pollen. But I learned something from my pains. Sitting in the top of that palm, I saw the Maria working out from under the lee of the island. Also, far away, I noted a streak of smoke, and watching it through the glasses, made out what looked to me uncommonly like a man of war steaming slowly along the coast. In fact, I am sure it was, and English too. Then the mist came up, and I lost sight of them. "'My word,' I said, "'that will be the crocodile. "'What I told our host to San was not altogether buncombe. "'Mr. Cato, the port officer at Durban, "'mentioned to me that the crocodile was expected to call there "'within the next fortnight to take in stores "'after a slave-hunting cruise down the coast. "'Now it would be odd if she chanced to meet the Maria "'and asked to have a look at her cargo, wouldn't it?' "'Not at all, Quatermain, for unless one or the other of them "'changes her course, that is just what she must do "'within the next hour or so, and I jolly well hope she will.' I haven't forgiven that beast Delgado the trick he tried to play on us by slipping away with our goods, to say nothing of those poor devils of slaves. Pass the coffee, will you? For the next ten minutes we ate in silence, for Stephen had an excellent appetite and was hungry after his morning climb. Just as we finished our meal, Hassan appeared looking even more villainous than he had done the previous day. I saw also that he was in a truculent mood, induced perhaps by the headache from which he was evidently suffering as a result of his potations, or perhaps the fact that the Maria had got safe away with the slaves, as he imagined unobserved by us, was the cause of the change in his demeanour. A third alternative may have been that he intended to murder us during the previous night, and found no safe opportunity to carry out his amiable scheme. We saluted him courteously, but without salaaming in reply, he asked me bluntly through Sammy when we intended to be gone, as such Christian dogs defiled his house, which he wanted for himself. I answered as soon as the twenty bearers whom he had promised disappeared, but not before. "'You lie,' he said. "'I never promised you bearers. I have none here.' "'Do you mean that you slipped them all away with the Maria with the slaves last night?' I asked sweetly. "'My reader,' Have you ever taken note of the appearance and proceedings of a tomcat of established age and morose disposition when a little dog suddenly disturbs it on the prowl? Have you observed how it contorts itself into arched but unnatural shapes, how it swells visibly to almost twice its normal size, how its hair stands up and its eyes flash, and the stream of unmentionable language that proceeds from its open mouth? If so, you will have a very good idea of the effect produced upon Hassan by this remark of mine. The fellow looked as though he were going to burst with rage. He rolled about, his bloodshot eyes seemed to protrude, he cursed us horribly, he put his hand upon the hilt of the great knife he wore, and finally he did what the tomcat does. He spat. Now Stephen was standing with me, looking as cool as a cucumber and very much amused, and being, as it chanced, a little nearer to Hassan than I was, received the full benefit of this rude proceeding. My word, didn't it wake him up? 
he said something strong and the next second flew at the half-breed like a tiger landing him a beauty straight upon the nose back staggered hassan drawing his knife as he did so but stephen's left in the eye caused him to drop it as he dropped himself i pounced upon the knife and since it was too late to interfere for the mischief had been done let things take their course and held back the zulus who had rushed up at the noise hassan rose and to do him credit came on like a man head down his great skull caught stephen who was the lighter of the two in the chest and knocked him over but before the arab could follow up the advantage he was on his feet again then ensued a really glorious mill hassan fought with head and fists and feet stephen with fists alone dodging his opponent's rushes he gave it to him as he passed and soon his coolness and silence began to tell once he was knocked over by a hooked one under the jaw but in the next round he sent the arrow literally flying head over heels oh how those zulus cheered and i too danced with delight Apasan came again spitting out several teeth and adopting new tactics grabbed stephen round the middle to and fro they swung the arab trying to kick the englishman with his knees and to bite him also till the pain reminded him of the absence of his front teeth once he nearly got him down nearly but not quite for the collar by which he had gripped him his object was to strangle burst and at that juncture hassan's turban fell over his face blinding him for a moment then stephen gripped him round the middle with his left arm and with his right pummeled him unmercifully till he sank in a sitting position to the ground and held up his hand in token of surrender the noble english lord has beaten me he gasped apologize yelled stephen picking up a handful of mud or i shove this down your dirty throat he seemed to understand at any rate he bowed till his forehead touched the ground and apologized very thoroughly now that is over i said cheerfully to him so how about those bearers i have no bearers he answered you dirty liar i exclaimed one of my people has been down to your village there and says it is full of men then go and take them for yourself he replied viciously for he knew that the place was stockaded now i was in a fix it was all very well to give a slave-dealer the thrashing he deserved but if he chose to attack us with his arabs we should be in a poor way watching me with the eye that was not bunged up hassan guessed my perplexity i have been beaten like a dog he said his rage returning to him with his breath but god is compassionate and just he will avenge in due time the words had not left his lips for one second when from somewhere out at sea there floated the sullen boom of a great gun at this moment too an arab rushed up from the shore crying where is the bey hassan here i said pointing at him the arab stared until i thought his eyes would drop out for the bey hassan was indeed a sight to see then he gabbled in a frightened voice capitan an english man-of-war is chasing the maria boom went the great gun for the second time hassan said nothing but his jaw dropped and i saw that he had lost exactly three teeth that is the crocodile i remarked slowly causing sammy to translate and as i spoke produced from my inner pocket a union jack which i had placed there after i heard that the ship was sighted stephen i went on as i shook it out if you have got your wind would you mind climbing up that palm tree again and signalling with this to the crocodile out at sea 
by george that's a good idea said stephen whose jovial face although swollen was now again wreathed in smiles hans bring me a long stick and a bit of string but hassan did not think it at all a good idea english lord he gasped you shall have the bearers i will go to fetch them no you won't i said you will stop here as a hostage send that man hassan uttered some rapid orders and the messenger sped away this time towards the stockaded village on the right as he went another messenger arrived who also stared amazedly at the condition of his chief b if you are the b he said in a doubtful voice for by now the amiable face of hassan had begun to swell and colour with a telescope we have seen that the english man-of-war has sent a boat and boarded the maria god is great muttered the discomfited hassan and delgado who is a thief and a traitor from his mother's breast will tell the truth the english sons of satan will land here all is finished nothing is left but flight bid the people fly into the bush and take the slaves i mean their servants i will join them no you won't i interrupted through sammy at any rate not at present you will come with us the miserable hassan reflected then he said lord quatermain i remember the title because it is the nearest i ever got or am likely to get to the peerage if i furnish you with the twenty bearers and accompany you for some days on your journey inland will you promise not to signal to your countrymen on the ship and bring them ashore what do you think i asked of stephen oh he answered i think i'd agree this scoundrel has had a pretty good dusting and if once the crocodile people land there'll be an end of our expedition as sure as eggs are eggs they will carry us off to zanzibar or somewhere to give evidence before a slave court also nothing will be gained for by the time the sailors get there all these rascals will have bolted except our friend hassan you see it isn't as though we were sure he'd be hung he'll probably escape after all international law subject of a foreign power and no direct proof that kind of thing you know give me a minute or two i said and began to reflect very deeply while i was thus engaged several things happened i saw twenty natives being escorted towards us doubtless the bearers who had been promised also i saw many others accompanied by other natives flying from the village into the bush lastly a third messenger arrived who announced that the maria was sailing away apparently in charge of a prize crew and that the man-of-war was putting about as though to accompany her evidently she had no intention of effecting a landing upon what was nominally at any rate portuguese territory therefore if anything was to be done we must act at once well the end of it was that like a fool i accepted stephen's advice and did nothing always the easiest course and generally that which leads to most trouble ten minutes afterwards i changed my mind but then it was too late the crocodile was out of signalling distance this was subsequent to a conversation with hans boss said that worthy in his leery fashion i think you have made a mistake you forget that these yellow devils in white robes who have run away will come back again and that when you return from up country they may be waiting for you now if the english man-of-war had destroyed their town and their slave sheds they might have gone somewhere else however he added as an afterthought glancing at the disfigured hassan we have their captain and of course you mean to hang him boss or if you don't like to leave it to me i can hang men very well once when i was young i helped the executioner at cape town 
get out i said but nevertheless i knew that hans was right end of chapter five